I'm Maria, and welcome to the 3L podcast series, Limited Liability Leadership, Raising the Bar in Leading the Bar. Thanks for checking out our upcoming limited podcast series developed and produced by Class 8 of the W.N. Reese Smith Jr. Leadership Academy Program of the Florida Bar. Hi, this is the Limited Liability Leadership Podcast, where we will discuss raising the bar and leading the bar. My name is Kathleen Shea, attorney with Rumberger Kirk and Caldwell in Orlando, Florida, and a member of Class 8. I'm excited to introduce Class 8 members, Michael Barber, Jack Callis, and Maria McCorkle, to lead us on an interesting and informative discussion on the topic of private practice in the digital age. Take it away, Michael and Jack. Thanks for that introduction, Kathleen. Michael, I'm really excited to be doing this podcast with you. When we were uh, preparing for this, I told you numerous times that this is just like a great topic. But for the audience, I'm Jack Callis. I'm a partner at Becker and Polykoff in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, I'm here with Michael Barber, who will be introducing himself in a second. But we're here to talk about private practice in digital age, which is great because we live in the digital age. And most of us, except for Maria on this podcast, is uh, in private practice. But we'll get to Maria a little bit later to talk about the trends that she sees from the government agency uh, standpoint. But Michael, the reason you're here, obviously, and you're the star of the show, is you just set up your own practice, right? So I did. About a year and a half ago, uh, I went on my own and I founded a solo practice, very creatively titled The Law Office of Michael D. Barber. And when I set out to do that, I had in my mind that I wanted to be a very, uh, you know, very cloud-based, very digital very modern firm, uh, you know, use technology or advantage, uh, increase efficiency. And so that's the model I set out to build. And then coincidentally, about six months later, there's a major pandemic and I found myself much better positioned than most of my friends and their firms when it came to the sudden adaptions uh, we all had to make to the new environment we found ourselves in. What I think is kind of great about you and I having this conversation is when I came out of law school and I started practicing uh, we were kind of on the cusp of fully integrating technology into the legal practice. I remember when I was in courtroom as a baby prosecutor, uh, the first guy walked into the courtroom with a, an iPad. Uh, everybody looked at him like he was foreign. And, you know, that was, I guess, the beginning of the the real tech boom in, in law. And that's around 2007, 2008. We're 13 years later. And I mean, technology runs practices like from start to finish. And so when you started your practice, how do you sift through all the options? And that is a, a very important part of the process is finding what's going to work for you. For every different piece of your system, there's going to be different options out there. There's a bunch of different case management systems. There's different options for cloud-based file storage and backup um, these days, there's even cloud-based accounting. I mean, the whole nine yards, phone systems. So it, it was a little daunting and overwhelming, but it's important just to be methodical about it. You know, and most of these programs will give you free tutorials. They're very happy to let you kind of check it out before you make a purchase. And so 
I had spent months uh, working through a lot of these applications and different programs to find what worked for me. And luckily, I had some other friends who were a year or two ahead of me in establishing firms with a very similar business model than what I was looking to do. And so I would ask them as well, you know, what worked, what didn't. You know, everyone knows it's important to learn from your own mistakes, but I find it to be very cost efficient to learn from my friends as well. So, you know, ask them what worked, but more importantly, what didn't, because I want to stay away from that. Yeah. And and I guess that's really an important, a great lesson. If you're going to do this, if you're going to start your own firm, you know, talk to other people who've, who you know, blaze that trail before you, uh, especially if you're, you want to use technology. I, I know when we were preparing for this, Michael, we talked about, well, it's really important you choose the right one because you don't want to get locked in to a technology that really doesn't work for your practice. And, and so how do you avoid kind of, you know, you said you spoke to other people, but did you ever get to like hands on try this stuff? So yeah, I did. There were there were several. I probably tried personally at least three different case management systems before I settled on the one I use because with a lot of these case management systems, what I find the most important feature to be is the templating feature. So taking all the documents, you know, pleadings, emotions, notices, things that I'm going to be using a lot that I don't want to spend time going and doing copy and pasting jobs, going back in old files to find examples. I want it set when I have a new case and I open it and you type in all the information in your system to where I could just click a few buttons and it's got automatically generate these cases for me. Well, all those different case management systems have different coding systems to it. So essentially you're taking every document and you're coding it so that it can be read by that system. It knows where to fill in the blanks, so to speak. So once you pick a system and you spend the months and the hundreds of man hours to go through and code all your documents, you definitely don't want to make a switch if you can avoid it because now every document you have is tied into that system. It's not possible to make a switch, but to say it would be a burden and inefficient would be an understatement. So it's really important to test them out ahead of time um, and just you know find the one that works for you and the one you can you can live with. There's always give and take. So for instance, the application I went with was very user-friendly, very easy to use. Whereas there were some other ap- applications out there, other programs that had more functions. They could do more. However, I wasn't interested in that. They had a lot of fancy functions I didn't think I was ever going to use. And I really wanted to find the one that could do what I needed to do as easily as possible. Something where I could turn around and retrain someone fairly easily and not have to hire some tech wizard just to, to come in and, and you know be my legal assistant, for lack of a better term. Well, ha- well, well you bring up a, a really great uh, point. How do you avoid being seduced by the bells and the whistles, right? Uh, when I go out and I, I buy a new car or I lease a new car, I'm always looking for, you know, the car that's fully loaded with all these things. And then, you know, I, I drive around with a car that has stuff that I don't use for the entire three years of the lease. So when you're picking the, picking this stuff, how do you avoid the pitfalls of, of somebody making something look attractive to you, but really understanding what your your ultimate needs are? Yeah, and that's a great question. So you have to remember the people who are contacting you and speaking with you from these different companies, they are salespeople. That is their job is to sell to you. So they are, you know, they're they're showing you all the bells and whistles and all the flashy uh, you know, parts of their program. But what I did is I sat down and after I had viewed a few of them, I made a list of every feature I had to have. And then I made a list of features I'd like to have. And then I made a list of features that I was never really going to use, even if they were available to me. And that helped me really narrow it down. There were a lot of these features they were trying to sell 
to me and I just couldn't see myself using them. They were either redundant or completely superfluous to begin with. Um, sometimes I was already, you know, it's a feature that was already incorporated into another part of my overall for management system. And I just, I didn't need it. So that really helped me narrow it down. There were some systems that could do a lot and it was very impressive, but they were more advanced. And I just thought, you know, is it really worth it? The, the given, you know, there's always a give and take there. And I thought, well, it's going to make it much harder to use these programs. I'm not really getting much back. That's actually going to help me in my day-to-day management of my firm. So a lot of the systems that you use or, or that we've talked about leading up to this podcast have the word cloud in them, right? And, and I want you to just talk for a couple of minutes about the importance uh, to your practice of cloud-based systems. Thanks. That, that's a really good issue to touch on. So when I was going to open up my firm, I just I knew in my head I wanted to be cloud-based. And when we say cloud-based, essentially that means that everything is either accessible or all your data is stored off-site. It's, you're essentially accessing it through the internet. And as long as you have an internet connection, you can access all your files and all your systems. So what it does is it, it allows you to untether yourself from your physical office building. I can take my laptop and literally go to work anywhere in the world. As long as there's Wi-Fi, I've sat on the beach and been able to access every single file. So it's also really important because it automatically gives me uh, you know, backups of all my data. So before the cloud became popular, uh, most law firms you know, it, it, that were already upgrades of the digital age, they were using on-site storage. So maybe your files were on your computer and you were backing them up to a server that was at your office. But then if you want to access a lot of those files or your case management system specifically, a lot of firms were not set up for that. You couldn't access it from home. Or if you they did have that capability, it was set up through what we used to call VPNs. And a VPN would allow you to essentially log into your work computer and get to all the sensitive information. The problem was it, it was very slow, you know, the connections and made it very, very hard to work remotely. Cloud-based systems allow you to work from anywhere and access every piece of your system from anywhere in the world, as long as you have internet connection, it's completely revolutionized the way that we practice law. Uh, One of the things I really like is security as well. So a lot of people were very uncomfortable about moving all their stuff on the cloud. They thought, you know, is this secure? Uh, Obviously, as lawyers, we deal with a lot of very sensitive information and we're responsible for it. We have to take measures to protect our clients' sensitive information. So a lot of people are very uncomfortable uploading it all on the internet where they thought it was much more accessible to, you know, maybe a malicious hacker. Uh, But what we found is that, you know, when we talk about the cloud, we're talking about what we might refer to as a server farm. And they're run by very large corporations like Microsoft. I use uh, OneDrive, which came free when I had bought Office 365 and, and I got a free terabyte. Microsoft's encryption is very, very good. It actually makes it so that my data is probably more secure being on their cloud than it would be at my office. So let's say I was doing it the older way where I was just backing everything up onto my server. Not only do we need to protect our client's information from getting out, we also need to just protect it and make sure it doesn't get destroyed. Well, if all my documents are on my main computer and they're all backed up at the server, what happens when a hurricane comes through and hits Florida, right? It's not like that never happens and it rips the roof off and both my laptop and that server get rained on and destroyed. I'm done. I've lost all those files, maybe permanently if you didn't have a tertiary backup system. 
if it's on the cloud, you're pretty well assured that those files are there. They're not going anywhere unless you accidentally <laughs> delete them all yourself or essentially the entire internet goes down. Right. And, and that's, a, that's a good point, having those redundancies and having the, a, a practice management plan in place in case of a natural disaster. And, you know, we definitely are still in the midst of some sort of natural disaster. And look, we had a lot of us had to adjust to work from different places. So, you know, with your system, your cloud-based system, you didn't really feel uh, much of a hit when you had to basically go and work from home for the last year, I assume. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I had a nice smooth transition. I had also set up my firm in a way to where I could work from home if I wanted to. You know, I had just had a, a daughter maybe a year before that, and I liked the idea of being able to work from home and spend time with the family if I wanted to. And so when the pandemic hit, I wasn't really affected all that much. Uh, we shut down our office, our physical office for two months. Everyone worked from home. And myself and every single staff member was set up with the same systems. Everyone had the same exact computers uh, with the same access to everything. And everyone was able to work from home without missing a, uh, missing a beat at all. Whereas a lot of other people I knew, um, you know, especially in some of the larger firms, they really struggled to make the necessary transitions uh, to allow their people to work from home. So I, I was lucky, you know, that I had just opened up a firm using all the most modern technology because one of the issues is, is it's really easy to set things up when you have a blank slate. However, once you've built a really big firm, it, it can, can be hard because it's just like boats. You know, you could turn a jet ski on the drop of a dime, but try turning a cruise ship. It's going to take a while. And some of those really big firms, you know, it, it took a lot more resources. I mean, imagine the army of IT people they had to deploy to upgrade every single employee. So it really did help me when I, I didn't miss a beat at all. I was able to easily transition to working from home. And then once uh, we got back to working in person, we we're able to easily transition right back. So it really worked out well. And, um, you know, I definitely think it gave me an advantage having these systems set up over some of my competitors. And, and a lot of this isn't possible, right? without you being able to collect from your clients money, right? And that also has been uh, advanced in, with technology. And, you know, on your outline, what we talked about, you use LawPay, which integrates, and I used it for like 30 days when I had my own practice, into practice management systems. And, and it, it makes things seamless. Um, you know, how, how have you integrated LawPay? How have you integrated the ability to make it efficient for your clients to pay you so that you can you know, pay your bills? Yeah, another great question. And you're right. LawPay was a, uh, a payment system designed specifically for lawyers and law firms, and they make it really easy. And because of that, I, I think a lot of the case management systems are designed to integrate with LawPay. I, I know the one I use is. I, I personally use Clio, and it integrates well. And so it made it really easy to where I could take a payment from anywhere. I've gone on vacation before, same thing, where I had my laptop, you know, in a beach bag and someone called me, wanted to hire me right then and there. I whipped out my computer. I was able to process the payment, you know, take a credit card number with uh, from them, process it right then and there. And within 15 minutes, not only did I have their payment process, but because I have a good case management system that's cloud-based, I was able to have all their pleadings generated in e-filed. So in 15 minutes, I had a good payday and was able to do all the initial work that I needed to get the case started and then could just close the laptop, go right back to vacation mode. 
And, and do your clients ever comment on, on, on the ease of that? Cause I found that, you know, clients appreciate being able to, to do things without having to go through too many steps to do it. And, you know, it seems like law pay makes that process easier. Do your clients ever say, you know, you know, your, your, your billing system and, and your payment system really do, um, do not affect the, my day to day life. It, it actually makes life easier for me. Yeah, and I have heard things like that. And the system is is really well set up to where you can adapt what different people want. Some people, they, they're they more comfortable calling in and giving me a credit card. We're more than happy to take that. Other people, especially more business-minded people, they want, a, they want an invoice. And I could set it up to automatically generate invoices and send right to them directly so that they have it in their file and they can send it to their billing department or wherever they need to. And then uh, recently, probably about six months ago, I even realized it was extremely easy to even add a payment button right to my website. So people just scroll to the bottom. It's right there. And I'd say at least half my clients are using that option now. They don't want to have to call in. They don't want to have to deal with paper invoices. They just want to be able to, to get on their cell phone or their computer whenever they want. Some people have weird hours. I'll see payments processing at 2 in the morning, you know, midnight on a Tuesday. Someone's logged in, went to my website, made a payment, and Hey, that's good for us. You know, I want to make it as easy as possible for people to give me their money as a business owner. That's the number one objective is to make money. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, law pay has made it very easy to collect. And I do find that the clients appreciate having the different options. The advancement of technology and all these options seem like it brings down the cost for somebody to start their own practice. It's not back in the day where you, you know, if you wanted to go out and start your own practice, you might have to take out a loan to pay for systems, to pay for, you know, management systems for people. It, it brings down the ability for people to come in and start their own practice without really shelling out a lot of money. I know you've mentioned that a lot of these systems are offered fairly cheaply or free. Yeah. And almost all of them will give you, you know, one, two, three months free at the beginning to try to get you to sign up. I didn't need a whole lot of money. I think I, Took about $5,000 out of savings to start my firm. I, I even spent it all. And all of it was put back in the bank account within a month. It really has made things a lot more cost efficient, that entry barrier for people who want to start their own firm. Um, none of these programs are all that expensive. And almost all of them will have two different options. One, where you can pay in full the whole year for a discount. Or another option where you can make it uh, a recurring monthly payment, which can really, really help when you're trying to cut costs at the beginning. And yeah, it, it also, it allows you to be more efficient. And if you're more efficient with your time, then you can also save yourself other expenses. For instance, maybe needing assistant. I didn't hire anyone for the first six months because at the beginning, you don't have a full caseload. You know, cases are coming in here and there. You're working them. So you have a lot of downtime. Instead of just working a few hours, calling it a day, I would spend a lot of time perfecting my systems, you know, my intake system so I could track data, my uh, case management system, making as many templates as possible. So for instance, it used to take, you know, by the time someone said they'd want to hire, you know, we'd have to draft a contract. We'd have to have set up a time for them to come in and sign it, or maybe I email it and then they have to worry about printing and scanning and sending it back. And all that took time. And then you'd have to draft up all the pleadings by copying and pasting off old ones and e-file. And it, it would take a few hours, or you could have an assistant do it all, but that costs a lot of money. See, with these systems, I was able to put off the expense of having to hire an assistant for about six months until I really had a full caseload because I used these systems to increase efficiency where I could do all that. I can open up the entire case file in about 15 minutes from you know a couple of clicks of a button 
your contract sent to you. It's set up for electronic signatures. You don't have to worry about printing. You could do it right on your iPhone or, or any smartphone. It'll send right back. Um, all the documents are automatically generated. Pleadings will be filed. And the whole thing, you know, went from taking a couple hours to 15 minutes. And because of that, it really allowed me to be kind of a, a one-man band for a little bit longer. Now, eventually the goal is to, you know, get so busy, you do need to hire help and expand. And I've since done that, but it really allowed me to do more myself and save myself a lot of expenses early on. So you, you, you mentioned the electronic signature and, and I love the signature. I have to tell you, it really, it really makes life a lot easier not having to print a lot of things, not having to constantly make sure you have ink in your printer cartridge. Uh, when we were researching this topic with all of us talking about kind of what is the, the, the best technology that you have in your system, in your, in your practice that really makes your life so much easier. You know, when you think about that, what do you feel that uh, you rely upon daily for the, you know, daily and, and your practice relies upon the most that really makes your life easier? Yeah. So electronic signatures, like you said, is definitely one of them. It seems like a, such a, a simple thing, but it was a game changer because I can't tell you how many times people would want to hire and they're like, well, I don't have a printer. I have a scanner. Oh, I can't get to your office for a week or two. Or, or maybe they live out of town. And then, you know, you're, you're trying to talk them into going to a Kinko's. Uh, you know, with these electronic signatures, it really changed everything. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can have a document sent to them through email where when they open it up, they don't need any apps installed or anything. It's it's just pulls right up on their phone. They can sign with a finger and then it'll automatically send it back with a, a certificate of authenticity, which is created by the program they use so that you can, you know, it has all the information, all the metadata, you might call it, so that you could see exactly when it was signed. Um, so you can, uh, you know, confirm that it's, it's, it's a proper and verified signature. That was a game changer. There's a couple big companies out there that most people probably heard of that have really taken the lead on this. Obviously, one's DocuSign. Most people have heard of them. And there's also Adobe. Adobe's really gained a lot of ground on DocuSign the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, also come out with their own suite. And I've used both. Um, I think both of them are very good programs for anyone who's looking for one or the other. But it has made it so easy to get signatures or anything from, from a, a retainer agreement to something as simple as, you know, a, a waiver of appearance at pre-trial conference or something like that. So I, it's it's really been a game changer. Some of the other things I use on a daily basis that's really helped me and uh, grow my firm in an efficient way is, uh, one of them is is virtual fax machines and VOIP phone systems, uh, voice over internet protocol. I mean, I'm literally using those nonstop. So rather than having a traditional phone system where it's set up at your office and then maybe you can have call forwarding and, you know, maybe it, it might be a little glitchy, you know, call forwarding. There are always issues with that. Oh, maybe I forgot to hit the, the button before I left the office. Well, now you can have a set up with voice over internet protocol phone where, when the phone rings, it's going to the actual desktop phones in my office, you know, mine, my assistants, all the staff members, but it's also going, I could set it up to go to any cell phone and I could also have it set up to where it's going to my computer. I mean, sometimes I'm, I've had it where my screen was cracked so bad on my phone. I was, you know, the calls were coming in. I'm working from home. I just hit a few buttons and now my, my Surface Pro is a phone for all intents and purposes. I'm able to talk to people. So it's the same thing. It's allowed me to untether myself from the physical office and have access to my entire phone system as if I'm sitting right at my desk anywhere in the world. And 
in those same systems, they usually incorporate the virtual facts, which has made it great because once again, it's it's uh, making it so that you're not tethered to the office and the fax comes in. It's just the same as getting a text message or email for me. I could just pull it right up on my cell phone and read it or hit forward and send it wherever it needs to go. And I don't have to go into the office and wait for the machine to spit it out. <laughs> you, you know, what's great about what we have here is we had Maria with us and um, we were talking about one side of the coin, right? How you deal with the technology in your practice. But Maria works, uh, you know, for the court system and the court system interacts with the private practitioners and their use of technology on, on a daily basis. And it's kind of like great because Maria kind of is like the public service announcement of, you know, what practitioners, even though they're so giddy with using this technology, how, you know, their misuse of technology sometimes affects the court system. So, you know, Maria even though we love technology, how is it? How has it been affecting you and and your day to day? Well, I appreciate uh, you bringing that up because what the courts do internally is critical to ensuring that the cases that you need to have resolved are done so in a manner that's timely and efficient. Because we all know time is money. I have been. Uh, with the Florida court system for my entire career. And I will tell you in, in talking to our clerk of court and talking to other staff attorneys, some of the biggest issues that will cause your filings to get rejected are things like the electronic signature. It may be very easy to have your signature on there, but it's amazing how often even those simple signatures may not be on there. And or if you don't fail to comply, if you fail to comply with the rule as to the format of the signature, that right there will get your filing rejected. Uh, when it comes to uh, on appeals, I work at the appellate level. Those appendices, when you're filing those petitions, and you have to also file an appendix, they do have to be bookmarked. They have to be paginated because Florida Rule of Appellate Procedure 9.200 has very specific guidelines, which makes it easier for the staff attorneys for the judges to be able to review what you're providing to the court so that way we are better able to address your case. Certificates of service that are not complete, um, briefs and petitions that do not comply with the certificate of compliance, not only with the font, but also the word count. There were a lot of changes to these rules that happened at the start of this year. And it's one of those things that as you're always looking to be more efficient in your technology and in your practice, it's also great to be up to date with your local court rules on how that technology is being used when you're filing your pleadings, your motions, and your records. Because if your filing gets rejected for failing to have a signature that properly comports with the rule, that's going to delay us and being able to address your case, to address your motion. So the, the public service announcement, if you will, from inside the court is reading those rules and the way that you're keeping up with the technology, also keep up with your court rules because the rules are changing as well to keep up with technology. Yeah. And, and it, it's great that, um, that, you know, you, Michael wants to be efficient, but it sounds like the courts want to be efficient as well. And so the use of technology, if it's used wrong, creates inefficiencies. Yes, that is what happens. Uh, so we, for example, with PDFs or whatever, if I have to take the time to take a very large file and have to do the optical character rec resolution or OCR myself, however long that takes, that's time where I'm not able to look through the record. Or if I have a very large transcript that's hundreds of pages, the faster that I'm able and the more efficient that I'm able to review the case, review the information, 
the more efficient I am in being able to discuss my recommendations. And also, and I would say probably more importantly, the easier it is on the judges because the judges are utilizing this technology and the easier you make it on them, the more efficient the entire system operates. Well, thank you guys so much. I'm sure we could talk to you guys all day about this topic, but I believe this is all the time we have for today. My name is Leah Leitner, the attorney with Shepard Smith, Pullmeyer and Hand. And on behalf of Class 8, we'd like to thank you again for your time to speak with us and to give a glimpse of the different methods practitioners employ and best practices in the digital age. Thank you for joining us today on the Limited Liability Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to check out the other episodes to learn more about raising the bar and leading the bar.